Hey, hi, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wilder Mind Podcast. And thank you so much for being here with the pod. Today, we'll continue our limited series with the support of Mountain Hardware as we have conversations with folks that inspire us and talk about things that feel like a mountain we cannot climb alone because so many of us find beauty outside of our comfort zones. And sometimes the hardest thing is just saying it out loud. I'm your host, Cody Cameron. Today we'll chat with Ted Hesser. He's a mountain harbor athlete, professional adventure photographer focusing on rock climbing and alpinism, and the subject of Chains of Habit, a film that brings to light his struggle with depression in hopes of destigmatizing the conversation around mental health and encouraging others to get outside and get well. So let's get to it. Here's Ted Hesser. So Ted. <laughs> So thanks for uh, agreeing to be here. Yeah. Um, I know it's not exactly a really fun conversation to have, um, but I think it's going to be one that's really valuable for a lot of people. So Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to share my experience and uh, maybe it's helpful for someone out there. Yeah, I, th- I think that we can cross out maybe and it will be. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm confident it will be. <laughs> um, but a little background for folks. So you and I had a conversation similar to this, pretty impromptu at the uh, Everybody Everybody's Outdoor Film Festival Yeah. Uh, in Denver earlier what was that maybe a couple months ago? Yeah. And I'll be honest, that was the first time I actually was really made aware that you had dealt with with mental wellness and depression in such such a deep way. Yeah, I don't share it uh or I haven't shared it um until until recently, until making that film and trying to kind of create a um an artistic uh expression of what it feels like and what my experience with it has been i found uh that that's a good way for me to collect my thoughts is to have a sort of medium to sort of channel the energy into and so that became uh a film for this particular (laughs) project but uh but i'm happy to talk about it here more generally and just what it's what it's all about um yeah depression's a, a funny thing it's not talked that much about it recently maybe six months or so ago there was there was a sort of blip of uh, popular consciousness around it when some pretty famous Olympic athletes were talking about it, like Michael Phelps or Simone Biles. But that's really the only time I've seen people talk about it sort of in the popular media. And that also sort of trailed off. And, you know, we're, we're again in this state where it's just something not really to be talked about. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to open up the kimono here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's exactly right. It's one of those things that it pops up, goes all the way to the top, mm-hmm. and then it drops off just as fast. And yeah. so I think keeping the conversation alive in this way is really important. And, you know, kind of the question that I want to start off with, and there's really two sides to this. It's, it's asking, you know, why you were silent about it for so long, assuming that there was a time period. And, and what made you want to open up about it? Yeah, why was I silent about it for so long? I mean, I, I didn't really think it was something to be vocal about, I guess. I didn't have any role model or cultural reference point. That's just not something that I even really thought about. I I didn't think about myself as staying silent or being vocal about it. It was just something that I needed to deal with on my own. And that's kind of where, where it is. I mean, I, my, my family has a a lot, a long history, um, with different, uh, mental health challenges, my mom and grandparents on both sides. And, uh, my sister and it there's been mental health challenges in in my family tree for you know anybody that i that i've experienced (laughs) in my family tree so uh 
And my mom was a psychologist who, uh, who studied some aspects of this. So I, I've kind of always been surrounded by a base of knowledge around it. Mm-hmm. And that's been helpful in some ways and maybe unhelpful in others. Yeah, the decision to sort of become vocal about it. I just felt like it was during the pandemic. I was noticing that there was sadly, tragically, a, a pretty big spike in um, mental health uh, problems and also su- suicides, um, which was pretty sad and scary. And um, it just, I, th- I just felt like there was a lot of people silently suffering out there. And so, I don't know, this just seemed like a subject to, uh, I'm a filmmaker, it seemed like a subject to explore, to sort of turn the lens in internal and try to, you know, create something with meaning and um, share it with others. Uh, that's kind of the, the pursuit of filmmaking in any context, this, this just became more complicated, I guess, because when, when you try to tell a story about yourself, it's like weird. It gets, it gets weird. But that's probably why I decided to become more, more vocal about it. You know, and, and you said role models earlier. And, and I'm curious, you know, we're both cis-hetero males and neurotypical able-bodied, right? You're white and I'm Asian. And, and in that kind of role model framework, I think that there's a lot about people of, of our, our community, let's say, yeah, that spread a lot of toxicity and are part of that. And so, and, you know, I think both of us could easily admit like, yeah, there are times that we have definitely added to that, um, and not been part of the, the solution. So is there a bit of you that, that has felt up against that in terms of people like maybe approaching you and saying, you know what, come on, Ted, go in the mountains and leave this in the mountains, make films about the mountains, go do your thing. And let's, let's leave all this stuff out of it. We, we do this to escape. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it was once expressed to me as like, don't air dirty laundry or something like that from, from somebody who is really important in our industry and very powerful, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which was really, I felt pretty mean, uh, mean thing, but it, it just sort of like, don't go negative or don't kind of, um, yeah, I, yeah. In terms of like, focusing on the mountains versus mental health. I'm not sure it's really been divided that way in, in my experience and in my mind. It's it's more been, um, I, I think what it actually has been is there. there's a lot of disabilities. I'll just put it this way. So there's, like if you're to apply to a job um, and the American Disability Act, you know, it requires you to like, um, well, it doesn't require you, but you can volunteer whether you uh, have a disability. And those disabilities could be blindness or deafness or loss of limbs or uh, depression or, or some others. Um, and like my experience with this whole thing is that um, there, there are disabilities that the industry has, has grown and, and broader culture even has grown to, um, to embrace. And that's great. But then there's this whole other category of people who have depression and it's a, it's a pretty big percentage of the population and uh th- there's no there's no inclusion for that group it's not okay to suffer from depression i think what it's like this might help um set the stage uh so it's all about serotonin and serotonin production in the brain and i'll use an analogy of oxygen just replace serotonin with oxygen imagine your brain didn't take in as much oxygen as the people around you and it was like that for every breath for 
every day, every hour, every second. And you uh, have to, you know, function in a work environment or you have to compete on a track and field, high school track and field, you know, you, you have to kind of do what everyone else is doing, but your brain just isn't taking in as much oxygen as everyone else's brain. Like, what would that do? Well, it, it'd be like, it'd feel like what it feels like up in a high altitude mountain. Like your performance would suffer. You wouldn't be as capable as those around you. It's a disability. (laughs) That's what what that is. And like serotonin, what the way people treat depression is um, like three ways. It's um, exercise, which naturally produces serotonin. Really anything that can naturally produce serotonin. I think people with depression naturally gravitate towards, which some kind can lead to bad or addicting habits and things Mm -hmm. that aren't healthy. Or antidepressant medication, which stimulates serotonin uptake in the brain so it's allowing it to absorb more or seeing seeing a therapist or a psychologist um, somebody who can kind of help you find meaning in all of it but the main thing is is serotonin (laughs) it's all about serotonin and so if you're lacking serotonin like going back to the the oxygen analogy like what does that mean for your brain for your for your inner life you're biasing towards the negative you're not receiving as much serotonin as all those around you so the the way that you're interpreting various events that transpire or interactions or pieces of information that 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 come to you is naturally interpreted through a more negative lens um it's like wearing sunglasses and everything's like more shaded (laughs) than those Mm -hmm. who are around you and the stories that you tell yourself the sort of inner life the, the construct of your self um becomes more negative becomes more sharp and in incisive uh, your self-talk becomes harsher, more destructive. You know, your self-esteem suffers. The inner experience is brutal. And it's exhausting because you're, you're fighting that fight or you're trying to sort of fight against that all the time. And so then a lot of your energy is going towards that rather than, you know, there, like there's a, however much energy everybody has in a day, like some percentage of, of that energy in the day is now sort of constantly going towards fighting that fight in whatever method of fighting that fight makes sense to you. Um, so that's like, that's what depression does. That's what depression is, is like. And that's sadly how depression can lead to really tragic outcomes. Um, if, if it sort of spirals or gets out of control, but it's, it's worth talking about because there's, there's just so many people who suffer from it. Don't necessarily even know that it's not that, that it is depression, (laughs) that there's something going on that isn't just them because how it's really hard to like, know what your experience is in relation what my experience is in relation to what your experience is like how am i interpreting this conversation how are you interpreting this conversation i can't really know what your experience is like so it's really hard to even know if you have depression <laughs> it's not it, you know i i was lucky in the sense that i have a mom who got a phd in psychology <laughs> <laughs> and have a background of a, a sort of genetic background that makes me predisposed. Like I can interpret, okay, this is, this is a thing. I know that I, in this period of time, am acting in a way that suggests I'm depressed and I need to do something about that. I need to sort of break the chain of habit per the film, <laughs> per the film title. But you, you know, I think it's like the fact that this bit of the conversation started off with the analogy of oxygen rather than just talk about serotonin first. All these things, we don't know a lot about it and we need to be talking about it because I think a lot of this is filed under shame. Even sitting in front of your computer and just Googling like 
how do I know if I'm depressed? I think that you get those like really the hairs on your arms start to stand up and you feel that warmth because there's so much societal shame involved in that. Um, and, and just an entirely such a misunderstanding of depression. Yeah, there's a huge, there's a huge misunderstanding. And I, I think that there's a sort of there's kind of, it's almost like a meme where, you know, what active outdoor industry participant or somebody who just gets after it and has means and all this isn't sort of suffering from anxiety and depression. <laughs> I think there's actually memes about that where it's, it just sort of is trivializing the whole thing as if, you know, it's a symptom of the modern condition. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Which may, maybe it is to some extent. I mean, we all are going to have anxieties that are provoked by social media and you know we're all living in a in a constantly changing society and so but that's different than having depression in in the sense that your brain isn't absorbing or creating serotonin properly it's it's just a different severity perhaps and its symptoms sort of overlap with a lot of other situational stresses somebody loses a job or loses a relationship or you know is having a hard time you can be depressed but that's also not the same thing it's maybe a good analogy is it's a little bit like how covid is sort of like the flu Mm -hmm. but also it's not the flu yeah that's probably a pretty good analogy it's like yeah you have flu-like symptoms when you have covid but the mortality rate of covid was 10 times higher than the flu so it's it's a severity thing in some respects but it's also a completely different epidemiology i don't know is that the right word for (laughs) i would have to google it but i believe so (laughs) like like covid is not the common flu it's it's a fundamentally different virus yeah exactly Um, right just like depression is is fundamentally different than having a hard time in life so it's just confused uh, maybe to some respect and therefore trivialized um to some respect and that's unfortunate for people who really are like deeply suffering from it. Absolutely. You know, and being trivialized, I believe, and I think contributes to that stigma around it and that shame about saying, no, I actually, I'm, I'm working through depression. And like you said, not knowing how someone's going to receive that. Like, oh, are you just having a hard time? Or yeah. like, can it be both? And, and it can, right? But, but I'm curious, like in this whole process, because I think a lot of people listening might be in perhaps a space where they just don't know how to navigate themselves. I don't want to say out of it, but through it. And even maybe enter that space of perhaps I do have depression and I want to address this. Did you deal with any amount of shame with it in terms of was there shame in it for you? And did that alter how you dealt with this? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I deal with various forms of shame in my in my headspace all the time. <laughs> um, it doesn't necessarily take the form of I'm ashamed that I have depression. I think it's more that my depression will construct a self-harmful narrative around whatever else is going on. Mm. Um, and then various versions of shame sort of attached to that. And so that, it's like quite a bit more insidious. than. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> right. I mean, so this is what, this is what it can do. It's not, it, it's not a good thing. Right. Um, how do people navigate it? I mean, I think one of the biggest things is like, it's okay to be in it. Um, and it, it's okay to be in it for a period of time. So one of the things I read a book once, um, about historical figures who had suffered from depression. It was mostly about some U S presidents like Lincoln and, uh, FDR. 
in each of their instances, and the science backs this up, they, they didn't experience depression until they were like mid to late 20s, which is my experience too. There is a sort of genetic release maybe of it, sort of like some other genetic diseases. And there's different experiences with depression. So you can, you typically uh, will have like a major depressive event or episode um, at that, around that time period in your life. And you might have some number more of them throughout the rest of your life. And then you, you might not be in like a major depressive episode, but if you're unmedicated or not really addressing it, you can suffer sort of in between those episodes with, there's a, a science word, dysthemia, which is just like a sort of constant, negative, mild depression. <laughs> it's a sort of, so, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the term for it, dysthemia. Uh, I think I have that right. But yeah, the, the main thing I think is, is that these episodes are, are episodes and that like the, it's it's a, that's the scary part of it is that you can actually just be triggered into like a serious depressive episode and it will probably have some sort of circumstantial component but your your reaction to that circumstantial component might go well beyond you know what what's like normal in the societal sense so how to navigate it i mean just being just understanding and like being okay with that that can happen and that the, there is a light at the end of that tunnel. And sometimes it gets darker before it gets light. You know, sometimes uh, you go deeper before you sort of come out of it, but you can come out of it. And I mean, the things I've personally found to help the most are exercise, sunshine, eating healthy, and medication and therapy, all those things. <laughs> all those things are helpful. And you don't have to, you don't have to be mad at yourself. You don't have to sort of be, be hurtful towards yourself for being in that place. Like you can allow yourself grace to go through whatever you're going through. Um, it's like if you got sick, let's say I'm going to use the flu analogy again, or the COVID analogy. If it's like day one of getting a flu, you're not like, well, I'm going to the ER right now and I need to be better by tomorrow. You're like, I'm going to be sick for five days. I'm going to take off time from work. And you know, I might be like, quite a bit sicker by day three, but I know that like, I'm not going to be sick forever <laughs> mm -hmm. and I'll get better. And I just kind of have to ride it out. I have to go through this process, whatever this process is. And it helps to have people who care about you, <laughs> Yeah, you know, who yeah. are like willing to be there for you. I think that's a pretty good analogy. Being okay with being in it and not, um, hating or hurting yourself, uh, mm. when, when you're in it. Yeah, Ted, I think that's really powerful. And like you said, really caring. And I think that's what a lot of, well, we all need to be cared for. But I think especially in a place where you're just going through so much that feels almost unbearable. And, and you know, the fact that you need to be okay while you're in that and find those things that will, that will help you start that healing process. But also knowing that you will have events and you might always be, not always, but you might be in this space for a while. And, and just like the flu, I love that analogy. But, and I'm, I'm curious specifically about you and, and entering into this space now publicly, very publicly about it. Is there a sense? Because I think people will come to you and then they'll ask you about it and they'll want to know, they'll share about their process and they want to learn from you and be cared for from you. Do you think that there's a chance that it could keep you in a cycle because you're being essentially and like I'm doing now and it feels in some ways pretty horrible you're going to be asked to relive this time and time again to yeah. help other people understand it yeah I've been thinking about that actually it might be too early for me because I'm just sort of starting to talk about it in a more public way where I'm worried it gives my brain an excuse to sort of like you know if I'm backsliding or something 
then it's like, well, I suffer from depression. So, so what? Like I'm, I'm out there talking about it. Like, you know, it, it's like, it's potentially providing an excuse, um, which is st- could start off innocently enough and then be, and then be dangerous, you know, and then I'll not, not be okay. And so I don't know if I've had the experience yet to really, <laughs> to really know if, uh, how, how big of a problem or not non-problem that is going to be. I mean, all I can really do, and, and this is the purpose of the Chains of Habit film, all I can really do is just try to have positive daily habits. Um, the, the quote that like sort of framed that whole filmmaking exercise was um, that the chains of habit are, are too light to be felt until they're too heavy to be broken. So it's like, it's the power of habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the best defense for me on this whole thing and being sort of aware and sensitive to just what I just described, how it might be an excuse. It, the internal thought process is such a straight, it's like a hall of mirrors, right? It's like, <laughs> look this way, look that way. Like, where am I? Like, <laughs> like you're, sort of, you're sort of trying to imagine what, you know, susceptibility your brain has to a certain set of thoughts that could lead to a certain set of behavior. Like, it's all very internal. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if that answers the question, but you, uh, no, it, it does. Especially in the fact that, like you said, you're just starting this. So it's like hard yeah. to know, but you're, and what you just talked about is exactly right in that you're trying to essentially determine the impact something might have in an experience that you've not been part of yet in this space, being this advocate for depression and mental wellness and mental health. And I think that that is also a thing going into it, like in your personal life, how ready am I? Do I have the proper resources in terms of like people that care for me that will love and support me through this, yeah. the funds to help pay for therapy, to eat better, to get out yeah. there. And do I have access to outdoors? All these things like, am I ready? Is my brain, is my soul ready to take this on? Yeah. It's a lot because most likely you have a lot going on in your life that are essentially beyond someone's control without outside help. I'm almost struggling for words because I'll admit, and I feel bad about this, there was a lot around the science of depression that I wasn't aware of going into this. Yeah, it's not very well shared or, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think many people have, have studied it unless, unless there's a sort of personal interest or a family member or themselves and trying to figure it out. But, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. There, there's a lot of, um, we, we all have different experiences, right? And we all have different, it's a Christian saying, but we all have different cross, crosses to bear. And that's, that's fine. Like, that's, <laughs> that's just a part of, a part of life. And how, how you experience life and how, how you sort of rise to those challenges, whatever those challenges may be for you, like, that's what makes life, life. And it's, it's not easy. Um, but it's, you know, I mean, it, for me, this whole thing has just made me try to be, especially online. I, I sometimes share things like this online, but just be kind to people. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's crazy how <laughs> online culture can be pretty, pretty vicious and detached from, you know, you're not, you like you would never walk up to a stranger and say the kind of things that people say to each other online. It just doesn't. Right. <laughs> but, but nobody knows what somebody is going through. And, and there's a lot of assumptions. There's a lot of assumptions based upon the way people look or you know, for, for me, like I'm, I'm a photographer, like I travel around um, and I've had incredible privilege to go to beautiful places all over, all over the world. And um, people see that in a very curated context online. And uh, I think it just makes it seem like I'm some sort of entitled white guy 
who like has like fully, you know, and that that is a bummer if it's just viewed in that light. Um, I don't know. That's my own struggle, I guess, with, with online culture. Um, and that intersects with a lot of, um, social, social equity movements that are going on around a lot of other things. Cause it's, it's easy to villainize somebody. It's easy to authorize groups. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of that's helpful or productive to anyone. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think it's an important conversation because in some ways it disallows people to be humans. You become this thing and like, look at this life you have, Ted. How can you suffer from depression? Look at this life. Exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's just, it's not fair. It's, it's very damaging. And I think it also, you do have a platform. And if people see that this is something that like this person they look up to and they enjoy your photography, your films and your, and your dispatches, they're like, oh, wow. And you're dealing with this also, but you're able to like hold space for both sides of yourself. That's really important for, for folks to see and knowing like, okay, we, I can do that too. Yeah. Yeah. That it doesn't have to hold, hold you back from your dreams. Might make it harder. Might make the road harder, but yeah. it's all still possible. Well, Ted, I commend you for making the film and for having this conversation for holding space for it. Cause yeah, I think these, these revealing these sides of ourselves it comes with uh, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to be here. I'm honored that you asked me to, to be here and uh, yeah, I just hope it helps. I just hope it helps somebody, somebody out there who feels alone or doesn't know how to handle this experience uh, that hopefully it can help someone. Man. Yeah. I found myself just being like, I just, there's so much I don't know. Yeah. Like, right. This is, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, Sure, I've been like going through hard times. Yeah. But I can unequivocally say like I don't have clinical depression. Yeah. Like all these things I'm like this is fucking terrible. Yeah. I can't imagine living with this. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. And it's hardest on the people who love you. Man. You know, who care about you and Yeah. Cuz like I was saying like I don't know I don't have your perspective or you know like i can't i just have we all just have the perspective that we have and so i don't have a reference point (laughs) yeah for what (laughs) but it but this but someone who cares about you and loves you and sees you going through something does have a reference point because you know if they don't suffer from depression then they kind of can see um what's going on through their experience yeah it's especially hard for them This episode of the Wildermind podcast was produced by Marley Jarenko and me with music by Leah Woods. We're glad you're here because the hard stuff gets easier if we just talk about it. And as always, my friends, to your wildest self, be true.